Well, it's good to give to the Lord, and I hope you're ready to spend some time around the Word. If you perhaps have your Bible with you, say this after me. This is God's Word. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. So if you've just joined in a little late, you were sneaking in some extra Z's this morning, welcome to you. And uh, we are coming to you live on this Sunday morning. It's the first time in 11 weeks that we are back with you live from the auditorium. Previously, it was pre-recorded programs, but uh, a joy to be with you. There's just a couple of our staff and leaders here this morning, and we are missing the broader family of God, but this too shall pass. Amen. It shall. So the title of the message this morning is Things That Have Helped Me Over This Turbulent Time. (laughs) Perhaps a bit of a different message today, a bit of a different title. I'm talking about things that have helped me over this turbulent time. So this message will probably be a little different, maybe a little bit more practical, a little bit more hands-on, sharing from some of my personal experience over this time, sharing from scriptures that back up uh, what the Lord has done in my heart at this point in time. And so I'd like to share these things that have personally helped me to manage over this time and not get down, not get disheartened, not get discouraged. And so they are things that have kind of helped me to stay buoyant And that doesn't mean I was absolutely on top all the time. No, there was times where I have also been taking strain, but uh, there are things that have helped me. And I kind of figure this, if they helped me, then maybe they could possibly help you as well. And our motto as a church is helping people, helping people know Jesus. So I'm gonna share with you four points And the first two will be practical things that have helped me over this time. And uh, the second two will be spiritual things that have helped. And so, Father, thank you for your anointing as I share. And I thank you, Lord, that you can use a message like this to reinforce and bolster people in their hearts and in their spirits. So we say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Let your word go forth in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, things that have helped me over this turbulent time. Number one, don't be idle, stay productive. Think about that for a moment. Don't be idle, stay productive. Now, let me say that I haven't had much of a chance to be idle during this lockdown because the church has continued to minister and there is a lot that's been going on. And uh, quite frankly, it's actually been at many times quite demanding. I bumped into a pastor friend in the mall this week, and yeah, we were wearing our masks and so on, don't worry. And uh, this pastor said to me, he said, you know what, John, this has been the most hectic two months of my life. And so that has been demanding, but nevertheless for myself, there have been times where I have been at a loose end. And it's in those times that I've had to make a choice to be productive and not be idle. 
Because let me tell you, you can end up so, you know, spending your whole day in your PJs if you're not having to go to work. And, and, and sometimes the Afrikaans people say, you know, uh, that's kind of, you just get bad because you're not doing anything. You're a potato couch. You're just in your PJs all day. And I believe that something that is good is not being idle, but staying productive at this time. Now, we've probably all heard the saying that the devil finds work for idle hands, and that has its origin in the book of Proverbs. It says in Proverbs 16, verse 27, specifically in the Living Bible, it says, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Wow. Nobody wants to be making themselves available to, you know, the enemy utilizing us. But it's so true. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. What a thought-provoking verse of Scripture that is. You see, when we are idle, it can lead to harmful things because we start spending our time on things that are not helpful. Next thing, you start spending your time on gossip. Next thing, maybe it's gluttony and you're raiding the refrigerator all the time. Of course, nobody can relate to that. Maybe you start to, because of being idle, you start to surf harmful websites. Or maybe there's an addiction to gaming and suddenly gaming is taking like so many hours of your day because you're basically idle, you're bored and then you end up spending too much time on those kinds of things or maybe some things you start to do is you start to share all of these things on WhatsApp, unproven news articles. And, uh, and this Hollywood suddenly, this Hollywood star suddenly just died. Meanwhile, you're just sharing this, it's unproved, and the guy's quite alive, alive, you know? Or you start sharing conspiracy theories. Wow, I wanna tell you, being idle is not good because it causes us to get our focus off of where it should be, and we start to do harmful things. But I also just wanna say there's a big difference between resting and being idle. Resting is a good thing. Resting has a purpose. And many of us have had more opportunity during this time to rest a little bit. And resting is good, but being idle is not good because it leads to problems. And so I wanna say to you, Don't allow idleness in your life. That's the point I'm making right here. And if you have been, decide to put that aside and I'm gonna get my my action hat back on and I'm gonna begin to be productive. Some people have been spending this time very wonderfully, this uh, whole lockdown time and they've chosen to invest in themselves at this point in time. Some people have been doing a lot of Bible reading. I've chatted to quite a number of our church people and they're reading the word more than before. They're having times of worship. Some people have signed up for online courses and uh, skilling themselves in marketing. Other people have been investigating business opportunities. Some people have been learning to play an instrument. I chatted to a guy who does marketing for music stores in South Africa and this guy said just prior to lockdown, All of a sudden, it was going crazy. Drum kits going out the shops, keyboards, guitars, you name it, flutes, recorders. Everybody thought, I'm gonna, you know, in these three weeks of lockdown, which it was supposed to be or something like that, I'm gonna learn a new instrument. But you know what? That's great because it's not being idle. 
and you're investing in yourself. And if you've invested in yourself in this time, well done to you. Like the Aussies say, good on you, mate. And some people have used this time to simply get organized because a lot of people were at home. Well, at least you should have been at home unless you're you know, in the medical fraternity or something like that. So you're at home, people are busy repacking their cupboards, young people are busy rearranging their bedrooms and spring cleaning and so on. And uh, even in our home, there was quite a lot of cleaning going on and sorting things out. And two days ago, my wife, she decided, no, she needs to repack her whole Tupperware cupboard. And boy, oh boy, when she gets into sorting out the Tupperware mode, you do not get in her way. And if there's things she wants to throw out, you just say, yes, honey, good. I also thought you must throw that out. You know what I mean? And so Mandri's been getting into action. And um, some people like to get into the garden or they're pruning the roses, they're pruning trees. My brother Andrew, he has been pruning trees during this time. And I think if he can get one of those electric saws and the loping shears and the pruning shears, I think it gets his juices going, you know. And it's amazing how he can take a lovely tree and just butcher it, you know. And, and it, fortunately, he's listening far away, so he can't give me grief here in the service. But actually, in the end, it does look pretty good. And so people have been investing in themselves. People have been getting organized. And getting organized is being productive. Proverbs 12, verse 24 says this. The hand of the diligent will rule. Let me say it again. The hand of the diligent person will rule. I, found this, I find this verse powerful because diligence is the opposite of idleness. God wants us to be diligent. Another translation of the same verse says, hard workers will become leaders. I wanna tell you there's a principle in God. If you will be diligent, if you will be faithful in little, God will give you greater opportunities. It happens as a matter of principle that he has established. But the bottom line is, child of God, God desires that you would be a diligent person. So stay productive, keep moving forward, keep growing your talents. Remember the parable of the talents? They were multiplying and developing their talents because as you are diligent, it will open up opportunities for you. So that's number one, don't be idle, stay productive. And uh, if you're sitting on the couch with your wife and your husband and you think they really need this point, just shove them gently in the ribs, okay, okay. Uh, maybe, maybe I don't want to have a domestic at home right now, so just be nice. Point number two, stay connected to family and friends. This is something that has helped me in this time to remain buoyant. The first one was don't be idle, stay productive. The second one is stay connected to family and friends. I want to remind you that we all need each other. You cannot live like an island. You should not live. In fact, you were created to live in community. It's part of a need that you have to be in community, to share life together. Do you know that even God, he is in community. Community starts in three. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are in community. And we are created in God's image. God knows that we need community. And when we're going through a crisis in our nation, I wanna tell you, you need your family, 
You need your friends. You need to stay in touch with them. Even if you aren't able to see them physically during this time, you can FaceTime, you can call, you can WhatsApp each other, you can chat with one another. And so it's important that we realize our need to live in community. And so during this lockdown, I have drawn great comfort and support from my family and also from my friends. Sometimes just calling my one brother can just be a source of encouragement. Hey, but how's it going? What's happening? What did you do today? And then I tell him what I did. And, yeah, it's just good. You, you strengthen one another through that community or maybe calling a friend after the president has given his speech. And then I call my buddy and I say, look, how are we gonna do this? How's church gonna happen now? The president has shifted the goalposts and, and what's gonna happen? But you know what? It brings perspective. It brings a sense of bolstering. We need our family, we need our friends. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says the following, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And realize that friendships sharpen you. Friendships also strengthen you. We need our friends at this time. And you know what? There's a reason that when we are born that God places you into a family. There's a reason, because he knows in order for you to succeed in life, you have to have people around about you supporting you as your family. And so we need family. Now, I'd like to, uh, just on this backdrop of needing family, I'd like to share a scripture with you, and I'm guessing it's probably one that you have never heard before, or if you have, it's not registered. And it says this in Proverbs 68, Sorry, Psalm 68, verse six. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, God places the lonely into families. Wow. The other translation, I think it's the New King James Version, says God sets the solitary into families. Have you ever seen that verse in your Bible before? Fascinating. God places the lonely into families. Why? Because he knows you and I need it. And so for those of you that are listening and you, when you heard me mention family, you thought, well, you know, I don't have much family, I'm old now. Or you say, well, most of my family have immigrated and I'm the only one left in the country and siblings are all overseas. I wanna tell you that this verse can be true for you, that God still places you into families. And yes, although it might be limited contact with families that are other side of the world, I wanna remind you that God wants to place you into families, spiritual families in his body, the body of Christ. He loves to do that. God wants to give you a spiritual family, a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is why being part of a small group, being part of a life group is so important. Do you know that our life groups, the vast majority of them have continued to function, many of them so effectively during this time and those people are still experiencing that community, that sense of family. And oftentimes, I've discovered that spiritual family can play an even more significant role in our lives than our earthly family. Especially if our earthly family is unsaved and they don't understand this life of God within us. We should never try to you know, distance ourselves from our families. No, we need to continue to be in relationship but sometimes the spiritual family can become so precious. So don't live alone. Don't be a loner. 
but enjoy the blessings and support of family and friends. So that's number two. Stay connected to family and friends. So these first two are more practical things. Don't be idle, stay productive. The second one, stay connected to family and friends. These are some of the practical things that have helped me during this time, this turbulent time. Now, point number three and four are more spiritual things. Number three, pray as if your life depends on it. Let me say that again. Pray as if your life depends on it. Because you know what? In a very real sense, it does. God says, I am the vine. You are the branches. You know what? As we are praying, we are communing with, communing with God. We are staying connected to him. We are receiving his life, his sap. And so listen to this statement. Prayer is the lifeline of the believer. I think too many believers don't believe how much of an important role prayer plays. But prayer is the lifeline of the believer. Prayer has, for me personally, been a tremendous help over this time. And I have been praying a lot. And I don't say that to try to impress anybody. But I say it to just say that it has helped me and it can help you. I've been praying, honestly, left, right, and center. I've been praying about so many things, so many people, so many situations during this time. I've been praying prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of desperation, prayers of rejoicing, prayers of longing, prayers of intercession. And I've also been specifically at times been praying prayers of spiritual warfare. Would you say spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare. Don't shy away from that. Because in the authority that you have in Christ Jesus, you have power over the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, and there's times where you have to resist the enemy, and he will flee. And so prayer is important. If you feel like you haven't been coping well as a child of God during this whole coronavirus storm, I want to encourage you, maybe you should raise the level of your prayer. Because prayer matters. Prayer changes things. It has an effect. Prayer is really important. Now listen to this. You will only pray much if you believe that prayer is vital. Some Christians aren't praying a lot because they simply believe it's not important, doesn't seem to change anything, so they don't pray. But when you understand the scriptures, when you understand the heart of God, you know that God wants us to pray and be talking to him about the things he wants us to be talking to him about. And so you'll only pray much if you believe that prayer is vital. And so I want to encourage you, child of God, hear me today. I want to encourage you. Would you please raise the level of your prayer? Would you please pray more? As Christians, we should encourage each other to not only read the word of God, but we should encourage each other to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. And this means, I believe, that prayer should be a continual engagement of the heart. It should be a priority of the heart. Another scripture Philippians 4 verse 6 in the NIV, it says, but in every situation, by prayer, would you please say that word? Prayer. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. One of the things that has helped me in my prayer life is discovering that God is interested in me. <laughs> it's a funny thing to say, <laughs> 
but he is interested in you. He's interested when you are praying. You know what? He loves to be involved in every moment of your life. And when you pray about something, it could be about the kids and they're fighting in the home and they never, you know, not sharing toys, I don't know, whatever it might be, not sharing toys or stuff. And you know what? You can pray about that. It invites God into that moment in your life. But let me tell you, he is interested in your prayers and he invites you. He says, let your prayers and petitions be made known to me with thanksgiving in your heart. He loves being involved in every moment of your life. Let me tell you, we serve a wonderful God, a wonderful Abba Father. Now, one of the tremendous benefits of prayer is this. It produces peace in your life. Think about that. When you pray, peace is the result. God says that I will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so there is an old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Maybe a couple of you will remember that hymn. And it says this, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I wanna tell you, as you carry things to the Lord in prayer, your peace will increase. So pray, 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 and you will see your peace increase. That's number three. This is a spiritual one. Pray as if your life depends on it. It will help you during this time that we're going through. And number four, the last one, is this. Listen here. Keep believing in God's goodness. God's goodness. Would you say those two words? God's goodness. Keep on believing in God's goodness. Now, I wanna say to you, this has been the single most helpful thing to me during this coronavirus storm. It has helped me more than anything else, focusing on the goodness of the Lord. And I wanna say that there have been times during this pandemic and during everything that's been going on where the enemy has come and tried to grip my heart with concerns, grip my heart with worries, and at times even grip my heart with fear. Suddenly you just, you just become fearful. And those times have been very real. Those battles can be very real. Maybe some of you have experienced that and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you start to worry. And next thing you start to worry about provision. And you think, well, are we gonna survive? Will there be enough provision? Or you start to worry about your family and maybe paying school fees or you worry about your job. What's gonna happen? My livelihood, you worry about contracting the virus. You worry about the new normal, etc. And by the way, I didn't even know what this whole new normal discussion is about because I also wanna tell you that sometimes talking about the new normal can evoke fear in people. And yes, things are gonna change, but I wanna tell you, there's also a saying which says, the more things change, the more they stay the same. We're still human beings with the same needs and desires and issues that we face. Yeah, things are gonna change, more technology, you know, more uh, you know, being very sort of developing of new means and so on. But I wanna tell you that a lot of things will also stay the same. 
But in all of this, when these fears are coming at you, what about provision? What about my family? Then as I was facing these things, I would choose consciously to focus on the goodness of God. Because in my personal walk with God, over the last maybe five or six years, I began to discover his goodness in a greater way. I honestly feel like there's been a revelation of God's goodness in the greater way. And when instead of the fear, I choose the goodness of God as my focus, it steadies my heart. It strengthens me like nothing else. And I wanna encourage you to do the same thing. When those fears come, focus on the goodness of God. Now, if the goodness of God has never yet become a revelation to you, let me just tell you something that could help it become a revelation to you. Because Moses, Moses is saying, God, in, in Exodus 33, he says, God, I want to see your glory. There's a cry of his heart. God, I want to see your glory. And God says, okay, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. Take note. Moses says, God, show me your glory. God says, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. And so it is reasonable to, to deduce that God's glory is his goodness and his goodness is his glory. And amazingly, God grants Moses this request. And, and God says to Moses, listen, you stand here on the rock and then I'm gonna begin to come before you and I will place you into this crevice, this little creek in between this cliff face or something, I'm gonna place you there. I'll put my hand over you. You will not be able to see me from the front, but as I pass by, I will remove my hand and you will see me from behind. And that is exactly what took place. And listen to how it's described here. Exodus 34, verse six to eight. And the Lord passed before Moses.